Welcome to Australian Design Radio to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Flynn Tracy and not with me today is Matt Leach for the first time ever. Uh, One half of the team couldn't be here today, but as these things often happen, an opportunity has fallen into our laps to interview an amazing traveling designer, Ian Anderson. Welcome, Ian. Hello. Thanks so much for coming along. Yeah, no, you're welcome. Uh, I'm going to have a go at doing your bio which I mentioned before, um, I've had to severely cut down um, so that we're not here for the first half an hour of the show going a trip down memory lane. So here's your scorecard. Founder and creative director of The Designers Republic. Now, there's always a TM after a lot of your things, which I want to talk about as well. Um, uh, And director of Return to Power Shift Control Limited at the moment. Ian is a self-taught designer and originally studied philosophy at the University of Sheffield in the early 80s. Uh, The Designers Republic was founded in 86. I was born in 85. Uh, It is credited with defining the visual language of dance music, electronica, and the PlayStation gaming generation. I'm a big gamer, so we're going to talk about that too. And has worked with clients like Coca-Cola, Sony, Nokia, MTV, and Nike. I can keep going, but, you know, as I said, we'll be here all day. How, How was that as a snapshot? Yeah, not bad. I, I, you, you kept my interest. <laughs> um, where have you been already so far? So I flew into um, Adelaide, I think, last Monday. So the talk was on Tuesday in Adelaide. And then from there, um, flew over to Perth and did the talk there. I think I was there for two days. And then uh, I'm losing track of days. But <laughs> And then I flew back to Sydney. So I, I think I arrived here on Saturday. Right, okay. What did you get up to on the weekend? Um, You've been here a couple of times before, so you probably didn't do the regular sightseeing yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's the, I mean, that's the problem sometimes. I mean, it's great to travel, but I've done the Bill Bryson kind of, you know, wandering the streets and, and discovering things. Mm. Um, and, and one of the things about being away, I mean, I'm effectively away from uh, my office for two weeks. So that means, you know, it's not like a two-week break, so I'm, I'm having to work. Still catching up. Yeah, the emails still road. come through. Yeah, yeah, and actually, there's work to do. So, I'm, so um, quite often now, when I when I travel, it's you know that my sightseeing is is restricted to whatever that, whatever's outside the hotel window, really. <laughs> but um, so yeah, but yeah, I mean, um, I mean, Sydney's Sydney's uh, good for me because I know some people here. I mean, there's always there's always people you know mm. uh, everywhere. But um, what did I do yesterday? Oh, yesterday I met a friend from Sheffield who's lived here, I think, 22 years or something. And that was Mark Stott, is that right? No, no, oh, this, 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 well, I met up with Mark yeah. uh, in the evening. Um, yeah, and he worked for me for a while. But I met up with a, another, just a friend from you know, formative years, you know. So just we just wandered around the streets. I think we went to... Uh, modern art gallery but didn't actually go in you know just, just looked at the outside which is very modern <laughs> <laughs> um so we did mention mark stott so mark stott has actually been on the show a long time ago all right um so he's an episode early episode in the first 10 episodes we did or something like that okay just do a lot of work back in the day and quite interestingly a lot of your work that i've seen online um really reminds me of mark's work and obviously that's the connection there i'm sort of like a futuristic kind of look at what was that something to do with electronic music and and things like that like a lot of the work seemed like it was almost handmade maybe even letter set stuff but it was actually looked as if it was the sort of work that you might see on a computer 
kind of I in mean, the early 2000s. So I think right from the beginning in 1986, there was, you know, <clears throat> because I wasn't, because I, I didn't study, so I'm not, you know, technically not trained um, to do what I do. Most, most of the stuff that, I mean, that, that we did, in fact, all of the stuff that we did, you know, initially was just, was, uh, was stuff that we liked. You know, right. I mean, I never said that I was a designer. I hadn't, you know, Designers Republic was a was a kind of an in joke, you know. Um, right from the beginning, it's there's been a lot of influences in the work that that we've done um, that relate to personal interests. I always had a big interest in 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 sci-fi, not so much in a nerdy way, but just in the in the context. I mean, maybe it's the, the philosophy angle, but in the context of what. What does the future mean, and is it near future, mm. far future? How does that relate to us? You know, what is it? What does it mean to be in the future? Because, you know, we're in the we're in the future of the past, etc. So there's lots of things to do with the semantics of the future that were always interesting to me. Mm. So, you know, and and you can and on that particular strand, you can trace it back to Blade Runner, basically. Right. You know. Yeah. So so a lot of the stuff that that we did that was you know, even pre-computer, but com- what you would look back as being sort of techno or computer sort of aided design or, or, or that kind of thing, was really, was really finding a, a visual language to reference that. Because of course, the, you know... The music itself? I mean, electronic music, when we fi- first started designing, was either, you know, was either Kraftwerk or Giorgio Moroder or, or stuff like that. I mean, there wasn't really a... An electro dance music scene then, right? Uh, I mean, well, you know, electro had come out in the early eighties, and you know, we kind of liked that, but but it wasn't it wasn't the kind of the warp records and post warp records and Aphex Twin or Tekka LFO kind of thing, um, you know. And 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 at that time in nineteen eighty six, there was no such thing as clubbing. People went to clubs. Right. You know, it was. It wasn't. I mean, now it's a kind of it, it's an activity. But this was just, you know, people went to clubs if, because in the UK pubs used to shut at ten thirty or eleven o'clock. So if you want to carry on drinking, you went to a club. Hmm. You know, so it's a very different kind of culture, a very different time. But I mean, a lot of other. So I mean, a lot of other early stuff that, in hindsight, people talk about uh, as the, you know, as blueprints for the sort of the techno design that we did. You know, so there's. There was a band called Age of Chance from Leeds, who were, and we did. They did a cover version of uh, Prince's Kiss, and that work that we did for the, for that um, was one of the was one of the first things that we did, and it was also one of, the, one of the first things that kind of really got us noticed. So almost like from the from the kickoff, we were getting covered by the design press because it was different, but it was different because we'd never really taken any notice of what it should be. Right. And this whole idea of like. You know, you know, breaking the rules was was really funny for us because we didn't know what the rules were, <laughs> and we used to get interns in to kind of show us how to do stuff. You know, what did you learn at school, <laughs> sort of thing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, great. So let, let's get into let's get into sort of some of the um, meat and potatoes of sort of TDR and sort of some, maybe uh, maybe a project or two when you're at the largest. So what, at the largest, what was what was TDR? How many people were involved? Yeah, and I'll preface that by saying that you've got clients like Sony, Coca-Cola, mm. Nike, a lot of big heavy hitters, and I'm sure many, many, many other ones. So. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the... I so so the, 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 the easy answer to that was 20. 
I'd always I'd always said that I only wanted five or six. Right. You know, so depending on however many we had in the studio, it was either a five-a-side or a six-a-side team. And why is that? Because um, from the beginning, it was... I, I never wanted to empire build. I just... I, I enjoyed working with clients. I enjoyed the creative cut and thrust. And it's a manageable size. So at five or six people, you know, you can, you can maintain... Because of the way that we worked, you could maintain five creatives and then just one admin. Because you know, you you know, you're, um, the amount of admin needed for five people isn't so much. You know, I encouraged everybody to have some relationship with the client. Okay. To me, the agency model of having account directors, account managers, or whatever you want to call them, you know, it. it isn't really kind of creative. I mean, it's there's a service industry, pure and simple. Mm. And I, you know, and I was really shocked as we as we kind of got bigger. And given that I had no agency background, so I'd never been employed. It's not like I kind of decided to go out on my own or something, you know. Mm. And again, I, you know, the whole design media industry, sort of primarily London-based, just seemed to be as you know as uh, as alien to me as car mechanics or, or any other job. I mean, the, to me, there, there was no correlation mm. between what we did because what they did was basically have clients that they, you know, wined and dined and there's loads of, like, networking bullshit and everything. Sure. And all, all I wanted to do was, was kind of engage in conversations and creative conversations and, and problem-solving. With, with clients and I and I, so I wasn't interested in the business side so at five or six people kind of handpicked you know and distilled into a into a group that that is able to um, think for itself but within the parameters of, of, of my mm. vision if you like I mean, that's, that's, too, that's too pompous a, a, a <laughs> thing but you know people that people that work with me and can work in the same way and understand what, what I want for Designers Republic sure and because that's how they feel can take ownership of it without me having to, you know... Um, Micromanage or be, like, massively autocratic about every yeah, project, everything it, that goes yeah, out the door. Exactly. Sure. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so... Um, so five or six is perfect. Then we had to get some, some more people in. Because of the size of the business, then, you know, as, as it kind of grew and you're handling a, a lot more money, there's a lot more tax, and there's also a lot of, a lot more proposals that need to be pulled together for bigger clients. You know, we started to get, uh, I got a new, a new business manager in, because once you start employing more people, you've got to ensure the business comes in. Mm. Um, and it's very difficult to, to I mean, normally, you have uh, a guy with a, a, a guy with a business vision who becomes the managing director and then employs the creatives. Mm. What you had at Designers Republic was a creative who's trying to find a, someone to be the managing director, and it's and it's really difficult to employ someone to do something you don't know how to do yourself. Mm. So I understand how to do it, but I've got no passion for it, and you know, and and and, and really, I think what what happened was that it was the wrong the guy was the wrong choice right because you, you you talk about it as in you actually said you had to make these decisions so what was the catalyst of that what was the had to was it taking on some clients that you needed to have well what happens support? 
Yeah, what happens is it is typically it escalates, and you know this is this is always my warning for um, for small boutique agencies that mm. that, is, that that work well and in and in and the, and the designers enjoy their life as a small boutique agency. You know, it it, it falls under the the category of you know be careful what you wish for, mm. because. Um, you know, so we were we were taking on we were taking on projects that, that were like three four month projects, you know, with a with a lot of uh, deliverables. So you need to take on more more designers, and also more design or 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 even different kind of designers designers who who can who can work to deliver right. rather than the people that we had that worked with me before who were similar to me that kind of were purely kind of creative you know and there's that sort of sense I want to create something for a client mm. rather than I want to spend X number of hours charging X number of hours working on projects that that where the client would say no we don't like that can you do it a different way so you actually become like a service industry rather than a creative right and yeah. I think that that's that's the key that's the key difference and so the problem is, is that you then, the more people, the more creatives that you have and the more clients that you have, then the more people you need to talk to these different clients and mm. to make sure the clients are happy. Then you need someone to to organise everybody and make it into a whole and, and then you need a, a production manager. You know, so, so I mean, we, I got to the point where... Um, Oh, and then you need to have loads of meetings. So you have a meeting <laughs> right. room, you have meetings about meetings about meetings and, and <laughs> this, you know. And and I got to the point where I, you know, in my own business, I I just turn up and sit in my in my desk with my headphones on and just try to ignore all this stuff that was going <laughs> on because because none of it was particularly creative. You know, it was all yeah. just the machinery of a, of a of a business. So I'd I'd look around and think. I got to the point where I thought this this isn't working for me. I don't want to spend my life like this. And so, before everything kind of went bang, you know, I'd already kind of planned to 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 strip it back down to like sort of five or six people. Obviously, keeping the money that the the, the money that I'd made during the kind of the the fat years of working. Right. Because I, because when we started, we were working on special projects with people like Coca-Cola. We weren't doing loads of stuff, but we were doing mm. enough that was... We were doing the stuff that we were good at. Right. And, and that one that was enjoyable, and, and we didn't ask for any more, and they didn't ask for any more. But I looked around, you know, and, and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm employing people that I don't particularly like, just to service clients that I don't particularly like. Right. But I have to work with those clients to pay for the people. Okay. Yeah. I mean, not that I didn't like them at all, you know, but, but, but they weren't people that, in, in true TDR, they weren't people that I would have employed. They were people that mm. were good at working up to an agency model. Yep, yep. That's enough of that now. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so ultimately... Um, I will talk a bit. Well, let's just talk about one one particular kind of client, one particular kind of genre. Which um, okay. so mu the music industry was obviously a big influence. We've talked quite a lot about that. Um, but something else was doing some designing for the PlayStation kind of era. Mm -hmm. I'm a massive gamer, so this is totally a personal thing. And Matt's not here to interrupt me, so I'm going to ask the question: okay. um, What what was that like, or is there any sort of insight into that? I mean, PlayStation was one of the very first kind of console 
like, well, not the very first, but there's a second generation of kind of console games and designing the artwork for essentially CDs would have been, I can see the transition, but what, what was that like? I mean, what you might be surprised to know is that I'm not a gamer. Um, and, and the main thing that we did for PlayStation was, was Wipeout, which was like a flagship game. Yeah. We were commissioned by Signosis, uh, who were the game's developers, before they um, were bought out by Sony and then bought themselves out from Sony again. But anyway, that's a different story. But the, um, So we, we were basically contacted by them and so for us, it was, we hadn't done anything in the games industry before. Um, the limit of, of my kind of gaming, and possibly still the same now, is, um, you know, Galaxian and, and things like that. Oh, yeah. Very one-dimensional, or two-dimensional kind of games. Um, and the whole virtual reality thing kind of passes me by a little, because I'm, 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 I've not really come to terms with real reality. Sure. You know, so, <laughs> I, you know, so I, but given what I was what I was saying earlier about influences like you know, Blade Runner and things, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm really fascinated by games culture and, and also why people would want to play games, um, and 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 mainly the the virtual realities and the virtual worlds that you can create within these games. So um, so it, it's very much part of the the what if. Yeah. So um, so when we got, but when we got contacted originally, um, it it didn't seem because we didn't know the games industry particularly. Then it the only thing that we could relate it to was that we were being commissioned to do like an album cover or something. Mm, yeah. You know, and I knew it was more. Um, and that's more of an out. That's more of a the outputs are similar, but perhaps not the process. I mean, you've got this, you've got music in your blood essentially, yeah. and you're not a gamer at all. Well, that's right, but I mean, but, there, but I, you know, I, I think over the years I've I've realised that whatever it is that that I get involved in, or, or Designers Republic by extension gets involved in terms of gaming, the advantage that those clients have is that I understand gaming. I under I understand from what you know from the the seeds the, of, of psychology and philosophy that that, that I learnt. Mm. You know, I. I understand one of my skills is understanding people's behavior why they do things and how you can modify people's behavior while giving them ownership of the sense of that move you know rather than trying to force them to do something so I understand that and and that's a kind of a key thing in in gaming because what you need people to do is you need people to be able to immerse themselves into the reality of your game you know, and that needs to be an easy transition. It doesn't want to be something that the, the, the quicker that the quicker the player can make that transition into the world that you're presenting, mm. that they have to inhabit to play your game successfully and enjoyably. It needs to be it needs to be an easy transition. Anyway, so they contacted us and they said, uh, "Would we be interested in?" in getting involved and we'd so we had it we had initial meet or I, I went to Liverpool for initial meeting and to look at the scope of what they wanted so initially really what they wanted was some kind of identity for wipeout and and mainly sort of package design and um this is before emails everything is on fax so everything was kind right. of typed out so anyway I, I said you need to send us a brief so we were and we were kind of laughing about it because we you know we all 
by this point uh, we after one meeting or two meetings we'd established a relationship but you know on a personal level so we we knew we, what each other were talking about so anyway they they sent me a letter and um it had just had one the brief was just one line and the brief was to change the way that game, computer games looked forever Great, so that, great so that, brief. That was the brief, so that was that was that was okay. <laughs> and but it was an e- it was an easy brief to answer because up to that point, most computer games were still they were still referencing the the sort of the the role play games, you know, the Dungeons and Dragons and yeah. things. So a lot of games packages were either you know sort of flight simulator things where you kind of had some kind of really bad render from mm. the game on the front or. or you know, a, a stock fo- a photograph from somewhere, or they were kind of airbrushed. You know, sort of Amazonian goddesses. You know, with with scantily ra- clad and yeah, swords. serpents wrapped around them. You know, some like Iron Maiden type thing. Yeah. But the reality was, and it was. I mean, to me, it was a really kind of simple, simple solution that the that the majority of kids playing games at that time were otaku that listened to techno yeah. stuff and warp stuff they they weren't listening to heavy metal it was a completely different thing mm. but the games industry was very very slow to move and it and it and it it grew very quickly but the people involved there was there was no there was no background for of, of marketing or there was no precedent right. for how things should be done so even games that weren't particularly kind of dungeons and dragons esque still had sort of heavy metal kind of imagery or mm. or really horrible kind of like lemmings kind of yeah you know cartoony kind of stuff so any anyway, i mean it was it was it was a brilliant blank canvas to play with so also the, the other thing that happened was when i was having this meeting about the packaging and the identity the branding for the game this guy came in from the uh who you know from the one of the developers yeah you know one of the sort of the people that lived in a darkened room you know and never kind of came <laughs> out and he said, oh, this is amazing. I've been a Designers Republic fan for years. And, 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 I'd really, and he was the guy um, that, d- that wrote the game, developed the game. Right. And um, typically I've forgotten his name right now. It'll come to me after we finish. Sure, of course. Um, but anyway, uh, so he said, you know, we'd really like you to be, we're kind of halfway through the game, but we'd really like some Designers Republic graphics oh. in-game. Wow, I, I was I was there, and it's just like, yeah, sure. You know, my you know my my train back to Sheffield's not for an hour. It's <laughs> so so I we so I walked. We went over to this other building where the where the games developers were. You know, and walked into this room, and it was just like completely dark with just some glowing screens and that. And um, you know, and he turned the light on, and there's all these kind of like about ten guys just like blinking in the in, in the light <laughs> and. Uh, and I looked around and it was really a bit sort of freaky because every single wall of, the, of this kind of relatively huge dungeon was just covered in Designers Republic posters oh, wow. and record covers and other ephemera. So this whole, they, they, these guys lived in an environment that was basically all Designers Republic and stacked up empty pizza boxes and Coke cans. And Coke <laughs> of course, yeah. So... Um, so that I mean, so we got involved in doing that, and and again, I, and I spoke to I spoke to him, and we were, we were talking about how we could create a world for for the game to exist within. Hmm. So if you imagine the world of you know the, the world that you would see from a racetrack, so you've got buildings hmm. on some, you've got hoardings, you know, uh, referencing the kind of stuff you get in Formula One or something, the, the sponsor logos. You know, we designed everything that 
that would be considered graphic design. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, in terms of the, the, the packaging, we, we made it, I don't, I mean, I don't think we made it look techno particularly. It's just that's the style that we were, we were working in. And, yeah. You know, and people look back now and say that's quite techno design. But I mean, to us at the, at the time, it's what we did. And the, I mean, the interesting thing, um, we, we, we did all this work and it was great. And then we had to go and present it to a guy who I think was called Ian Hetherington, who was the head of Psygnosis. And he, he basically said, yeah, I mean, I, I really like this. I'm really pleased with it. He said, but I've just, the only problem is it looks like a techno album. And he said, well, yeah, but that's because it's coming from the same place. Yeah. So previous games look like heavy metal albums, but nobody said that looks like a heavy metal album. It's coming from the same place. Mm. You know, and he said, yeah, I'm worried though that, that people are going to think it's, you know, a techno album. Too techno for their tastes or something. Well, not that th- they might think it's an album rather than a game. So we're right. kind of saying, okay, it's in a box with PlayStation stamped in. <laughs> with the all the other games. Spine. Yeah, you know, it's got PlayStation <laughs> logos on. It's got Sony logos on. It's not sold in music shops. It's sold in game shops, yeah. you know, rack with other PlayStation. So, so what, what particular section of your audience do you think is going to go into a game shop, look at all the PlayStation games and go like, oh my, there's a techno album. Someone must have put that in the wrong shop. <laughs> there's loads of them. Look at there's this. There's loads of them. This yeah. is really incredible. And the other thing that he said, which was, which was really, really, you know, which is really good for us, was he said, you know, you use a lot of Japanese typography in your work. And he said, and I think that makes it, you know, look, that's one of the things that makes it quite futuristic in a Blade Runner context, mm. which is which is true to a degree, but you know, and um, he said, but you've not, you know, I'm, I really wanted some Japanese type on on the front. So this is, I mean, although this is Wipeout and it's the PlayStation generation, it it was still sort of a time where, you know, we didn't have laptops or we mm. had, but well, what laptops you might have? I mean, my first power book, you know, kind of if going back in the day if you took it on the train to do any work by the time it had booted freehand up you'd used all the battery right so it wasn't portable or you know at all um but so we didn't have we, we didn't have access and there was no sort of internet where you could just go to your dropbox and get this get studio to send something yeah. over and the only thing that i had on the only sort of japanese typography that i had on my laptop and we had to send the artwork that day so it was just like it was literally kind of we had to put something on and the only thing that that we had on our computer uh, that we could put on was the Designers Republic in Japanese. Okay. So I said to him, "Listen, this is. Uh, I've got to be honest with you. This is. This says the Designers Republic. Hmm. You know. And if it needs to go now, that's all I can put on. It's kind of like, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter. No one can read it. No anyway. one can read it anyway. Yeah. You know. So which was great until it started getting imported into. Japan, where you many know, people can read Japanese, where many people can read Japanese, and because the, because this guy Ian kept saying no, make it a bit bigger, make it a bit bigger, make it look more sort of Japanese, and basically you've got these Japanese kids getting this PlayStation game that says the Designers Republic, <laughs> and then smaller type Wipeout, right? <laughs> you know, which is kind of good for us. Really. <laughs> Big in Japan, yeah. yeah. Big in Japan, yeah. <laughs> well, um, you mentioned something kind of in there about, and it's something that you kind of. 
alerted us to like a little bit earlier on about understanding the people you know within within a project kind of regardless of demographic you sort of mentioned you weren't a gamer but you, you think you could get inside their minds in in a lot of ways mm-hmm. so you know looking at looking at your scorecard again and you know the variety of industries you've been involved in we won't even we won't even have time to get into architecture or space or anything like that okay. do you think that do you think that that has had a big influence on you being able to kind of transcend so many different industries whether just in terms of design and also in terms commercially understanding people i mean yeah i mean i think that it helps that i'm a people watcher so if we take a few steps back it's it's what is it that interests me about design Hmm. and you know the 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 crushing blow for um, a lot of design or designers public fans is that i'm not really interested in graphic design uh, it, it, to me, it's graphic design needs to be good because it needs to amplify the communication. Mm. The thing that interests me is the problem solving. You know, so, and I was going to say design thinking, but I think it's such a, it's such an overused sure. kind of thing now that kind of, you know, everybody's talking about design thinking. And of course, it's relevant in, in lots of different contexts, but just as a, you know, as a thing, it's a, you know, graphic design, visual communication, design thinking, whatever. But anyway, so the, um, it's, it's the, it's the, it's the challenge of the problem solving. It's the, it's the thinking, you know, that, that, that really interests me. And then, so that's, I think that's quite scientific. I mean, it's the, you know, it, it's choosing a font isn't a solution, you know, mm. but the creative bit and, you know, the, the, the kind of the fun bit, if you like, comes you know, on how you express that solution you know so that's that's kind of how, that's how I kind of work and obviously there's it's not just thinking then doing because it's you're bouncing backwards and forwards and it's you know you should be thinking doing thinking doing um, throughout the process you know questioning what you're doing I've always been in, interested in just watching people I mean it's I don't get bored on planes you know, and quite often I kind of forget to watch a film because I'm just watching somebody and or on a train. You know, it, it's so it's not in. I guess it is kind of voyeuristic, but not in any kind of you know negative mm. way. It, it's really just I'm fascinated by why people what they do do what they do and why they think what they do. So the so key influences and inspirations for designers Republic have been religion. You know, I mean, but what, you know, why do people choose to believe certain things? Mm. What, what motivates them to do that? And what motivates them to suspend any sense of reality? Right. You know, or, or empirical, I think. And then it's also and consumerism as well. Why do, we, why do we buy certain things? And why are we so easily seduced? Why, why are we really happy to, to respond to advertising, which, which is primarily, and, I, and I, don't, I mean this in an observational objective way rather than a judgmental thing I mean it's you know it's, it's all a game anyway why are we really happy to be seduced by this sort of notion that an advertiser you know will convince us that we need something that we never knew we even wanted mm. it's, it's, thing, it's things like that what motivate, motivates us to make certain decisions even down to why do people sit in a particular place yeah. you know so when I when, when we were when I employ people or you know, in interviewed people, you know, I just say, just sit down, and I mean, I'm, I'm interested in why did you choose to sit there? Don't sit there. You've got the sun in your eyes. <laughs> but 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 you know, but just just as a as an abstract kind of thing. Yeah. You know, relationships, all all those things really really interest me, whether I was a designer or not. 
And I think that that's uh, the sort of foundation of, uh, of a lot of Designers Republic's success because we connect, we, we're able to connect with audiences because the first thing that we do is we try to understand them. Mm. So there's, there's, there's certain... There are certain things that you, you know, the masterclass. There are certain things that you need to do, <laughs> you know, and you need to understand. You need you need to understand why someone is asking you to do something, right? You know why, so, and, and and further, why are they asking you to do it and not somebody else? Mm. And what is it? What's what's their problem? You know, and what are they trying to achieve? Because that's not that's not always the same. Mm. What how they perceive their problem isn't necessarily how you need to solve. Their problem. So there's some there's some digging and investigation that's often required. Yeah, you know, but this is this is this is often about the people that you're working with rather than you know the cold hard brief. Mm. You know, um, and then you need to kind of understand who is it, what is it they want to achieve, which is quite often sales of some kind. Mm. But then, what's the target market? Is it is it uh, an abstract target market or is it a, a specific one and, and then what is it that that target market wants to hear yeah and so what language can you use that will you know make that target market feel more comfortable making that purchase or buying that ticket or or, or whatever you know it doesn't always have to be about money but it's how do you create some kind of sense of ownership for the audience yeah and all these things kind of they don't have to be if it's if in sometimes it's a it's a long drawn out process because because the client needs to have evidence yeah but quite often you know it's even on even on a record cover you know but it, it becomes second nature so to me that's that's kind of how my mind works. So those are my focuses. It might not be sort of something where I kind of need to go away with a team of researchers for 10 weeks and, right. you know, kind of camp in someone's... I mean, there's a lot of brand agencies who kind of, you know, do all these kind of bullshit uh, brand safaris and consumer safaris and things like that, which is just a way of just rinsing money out of clients. When, to be honest, really, you know, it, they know what they... They know what they're going to do because mm. they're good at what they do but they kind of have to you know because the client is people they need to have some kind of comfort zone that they understand what's going on and some kind of evidence so that if their management asks them questions then they can you know so there's a whole load of stuff that, that yeah. happens you know it, it, sometimes with clients that doesn't need to happen right know? I don't know if I answered the question but I enjoyed <laughs> Absolutely no. Well, I mean, I could I could sit here all day and talk to you about a lot of these things, but we're we're getting close to an hour, which is okay. Which, which is which is our time limit. So thank you so much for you know coming here during your tour. Great, yeah. Re- welcome. Really appreciate it. Um, good luck with the talk tonight and the rest of the tour. By the okay. time this sort of comes out, you'll be you'll be well gone back in Sheffield. Okay, is is that where you'll be? Is that's home? Sheffield is home. Yeah, Sheffield's home. But I mean, I this. This, this spring, I mean, I'm, I'm, I get home, I think, for three days and then I go to Budapest and I get for client work mm-hmm. and then uh, and then I come back and I think I go to Lisbon and then Atlanta, Manchester, where I teach. So, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a hectic. I think I'm away more than I'm at home at the moment, which, is, which isn't... So that's that not good. normal. Uh, I'm away. I mean, I'm away. I, I travel probably to, to see clients... You know, I travel abroad mm. uh, to see clients probably about once a month, you know, or, or, or twice a month. So I'm, I'm used to traveling, but I mean, this is, 
this is kind of round the kind of round the wrong way because I need to sort of be with my kids more. Right. You know, yeah. but um, so it's, it's it's weird kind of uh, doing the, doing the um, the podcast kind of thing because you know on radio interviews you can do you know you do the shout outs. You can outs. listen to it right now. <laughs> well, you, can, you, can the, you can do the shout outs to the kids and you're like, can I just say hi to all my friends? You can do a shout out to your kids. Yeah. Okay. So this is a shout out to um, Sunny, Marnie, and Herbie. Um, well, I'll, be, I'll see you while you're listening to this anyway. Yeah. Well, hello. Hello from Australia. Yeah. 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 Thanks for letting your dad come on. <laughs> it's been, it's been it, great. It was hard. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, um, uh, where can people find out more about you? Like, um, so, you know, a website or where's the best place to point people towards? The website's really a portal. I mean, you can go there and, and get to us, but we haven't really updated that for for a long time. We just, I mean, we, I know it sounds mad, but we're just, we've just been too busy to do our own website. And um, so the best place to find out what's going on and on, on a sort of a more regular basis is just on, on fa- our Designers Republic page on Facebook. Great. And that's where we kind of post stuff or um, at ENTDR on Twitter. Great. The u- usual, usual. Usual places, yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's perfect. We'll put those in the show notes so people can right. really easily find them. Thank you so much for coming on. Okay. Um, and you can find this episode and more at ausdesignradio.com and you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram and SoundCloud at AUS Design Radio. Thank you so much, Ian. Thank you. Thank you.